Welcome to the first episode of Slipping Down the Board. My name is Mikhail Holm, and I'm joined by my co-host Dylan Griffin and Jordan Mallette. How are you guys? Doing very well today. Same for me over here. That's great. So who are we? I'm, I'm Mikhail Holm. I'm a scout for Smock Scouting. I also run my own uh, substack called Blessed Be the Swedes. Uh, and yeah, I live in Sweden. And uh, yeah, that's a little bit about me. How are, who are you guys? I'm Dylan Griffin. I am a Russian regional scout for Elite Prospects. I do not live in Sweden or Russia. I live in the great state of Wisconsin, unfortunately. I've been doing scouting for quite a few years now, like three. So I'm a bit of an expert at my craft, and Jordan is not. Isn't Wisconsin Uh. like the Russia of the United States? (laughs) Yeah, you know, some people have called it that. <laughs> well, Dylan just kind of summed me up. I'm not an expert at this, but uh, I do my best. I'm uh, OHL and QMJHL scout with Smot Scouting with Mikael. Um, I'm a coach here in the Ottawa area, coaching U18 AAA hockey. And yeah, I'm just trying to do my best to fit in with these two smart guys and hopefully don't stand out as the idiot in the room. You will. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you will. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got I gotta set set them up to know that uh, my takes aren't gonna be very very good. So yeah, that's fair. I guess they won't. Um, so what what do we intend to do on this podcast? We're just trying to have have fun and have a nice conversation between us. But we're also trying to talk about prospects, I guess. Yeah, we already talk to each other very often. What <laughs> differing lengths of conversations I have with Jordan, but. Uh... Yeah, we used to always talk about prospects, watch them together, and some casual banter. So why not make a podcast, right? That's what you got to do these days. Yeah, it's uh, we do this kind of, I don't know, we got into a good little routine of watching games together every couple times a week and just talking, shooting the shit. And it's fun to, to record these and have our opinions set in stone that we can reflect on at the end of the year of, oh, we were really stupid on February 16th, 2022. We said some dumb things. Um, so it'll just be fun to have a little weekly archive of uh, our stupid thoughts at the time. Well, Mikael and I won't be thinking that. Just you. <laughs> <laughs> that is very true. Um, but yeah, you guys summed up, up pretty well there. Um, we're just trying to do, have some fun together. And we're three white guys in our 20s, and three white guys in their 20s, when they enjoy talking to each other, think they should uh, start a podcast. So here we are just like everyone else. Um, anyway, uh, let's get into it immediately. Uh, there's been a quite a discussion the last couple of weeks about Shane Wright and his almost consensus ranking as number one, and if he should still be that. Uh, we're trying to figure out, should he be that? Is there any other uh, alternatives? And I'm just going to leave it up to you guys to talk about it a little bit. What do you guys think of Shane Wright, and uh, should he be number one overall? Yeah, I I have lots of thoughts on him. Um, there's been lots of conversation, as you've mentioned, about Wright. And I think as concise as I can get it is that he doesn't really pass the eye test or his production's not really jumping off the page to look like a normal first overall pick. Um, he was super hyped entering the year. So those kind of combinations of factors are creating doubts around him. And I think so there is some valid justif- or valid criticism around him, and there's some reasons to be concerned, but um, there needs to be an argument for somebody else to be put at one, and I don't think anybody's really made a case for themselves to jump him at this time. I mean, with Wright, um, you have a tremendous shot. He's a great puck carrier distributor down, moving up the ice, great in transition, and uh, I think the main reason why Wright doesn't have much competition for number one is he has like a very narrow range of outcomes. He's His floor is super high. Yes, there's some there's a high ceiling as well, but I think with Wright, you're getting kind of that floor of a second line center and it's hard to pass up on that considering there's a few guys behind him that may have higher upside, but a a bigger potential of maybe busting or not turning out to be kind of a useful player. I do feel like, and this is like full transparency here. uh, We did have to record this podcast multiple times at this point, but uh, the last time we talked about Wright, I thought that's like the sort of just like the Twitter sphere was more negative about him. And now I feel like it's only been, you know, however many days and it seems like it's kind of turned around that, 
hey, he's still really good. And he's like, his production's been not like, it hasn't been like the generational talent that people have maybe thought he was, but still been pretty standout for like, especially like how slow he started the year. Obviously missing the whole draft year minus one is huge in a player's development. Um, but yeah, he's just slowly turned that around. The upside, like Jordan said, is is narrow. He's, you know, if, if you get a high end second line center first overall, I don't think that you're going to be upset with that. And it's like it's he's only going to go up from there. It's not well. It, he might be a first line center, but he also might end up being a bottom six guy, which would be if you're pushing for that first overall. I think you're you're a little bit crazy, not really thinking in the right in the right mindset for that. But I feel like what he's shown this year. And again, missing that whole year of development. I haven't seen anybody that has really contended for that number one spot. You could argue for players that maybe are more fun, more dynamic, uh, just bringing like that that more X factor to the table of just enjoying the game of hockey. But if you're looking for the most effective, uh, like most not safe, but like still safe, and the fact that his upside is in that limited range, uh, I feel like you got to go Shane right every time. Yeah, I think, like, as you said, he's not totally safe, but he's, like, as safe as you can get in the top 10, probably, among all the players there that are ranked so far. And I think also he probably has the highest, he definitely has the highest upside. Like, if he can get back to where he, where he performed in the in his D-2, it was, right? Uh, then, like, that's a <laughs> surefire number one guy that you, you want to have on your team. So I think... Um, just like you guys, as you guys said, I think there's no one that can compete with him right now, because just because this draft is kind of weak. And if we compare, we can we're gonna compare this draft a little bit later to last year's draft as well. And uh, I think putting Shane Wright's season in last year's draft, I think he, he'd have a tougher time maybe to go number one. But yeah, uh, right now I don't I don't see any real threats to him going number one. And he's also the reason people have turned more positive uh, towards him the last few months is because, uh, or the last few weeks, I mean, uh, is because he has 17 points in his last 10 games. Like, it's that easy. He didn't put up the same amount of, like, points before, and now he's scoring and, and providing more, and that's just going to help him when when you're trying to uh, go first overall in an NHL draft. Yeah, I, I think a lot of the things that have kind of summed up into why there's doubts about him or why there's concerns is stuff that's kind of outside of his control. Um, we tend to expect a lot of a first overall pick. We set the bar insanely high. We think he's kind of a save the franchise sort of player. And that's where we set the bar. And frankly, like no player can ever really, uh, really live up to those expectations. Yes, you'll get the McDavid or the Matthews every couple of years but the baseline for a first overall pick shouldn't be like a top five center in the nhl like you should be thinking more of okay he's going to be if you get a a very good to average first line center you should be happy because that's a very hard piece to acquire and thinking that you're going to get a player that's going to be the best player in the league every year that's just not going to happen that's not really how the draft works so it seems to be we always enter the year with okay this guy's going to change a team and then, okay, a couple months in, uh, I, I'm having doubts now. It's like, well, if we set our expectations accordingly, maybe we wouldn't, we wouldn't be sour on Shane Wright in December or November, right? So I think that's something that needs to sort of change of how we perceive first overall, because um, reality is these players just aren't going to change franchises. And that's not a knock on the player, just that changing a franchise is really hard. Okay, I'd like to rewind just one moment. Uh, did you say that uh, Connor McDavid saved a franchise? <laughs> <laughs> you said Austin Matthews saved a franchise. <laughs> if if the gods had their way and allowed the Leafs to win, but I, I think Austin Matthews is doing everything he could. But the hockey gods are against him, and the we Oilers. We thank well, them for that. <laughs> and the the Oilers. Well, I I have no logical explanation for that one. Duncan Keith, are, are, are we hearing a turn of allegiance here? Are you are you becoming a Leafs fan, Jordan? Are you uh, praying to the gods that Austin I'm Matthews is yes. going to bring? I'm hearing a, yes. Yeah, <laughs> he prays to the gods that Austin Matthews is going to bring a cup, cup uh, to the Leafs. The, the Sens are in session, and that's all I'll say on the matter. 
But if if we're talking right, uh, as you said, Donald, we recorded this episode uh, uh, like ten days ago or something, and it fucked up, and we fucked up, and yeah, uh, that's uh, that's it. But there's a new contender for first overall. If we're looking at talking Twitter right now, that wasn't there when we uh, had recorded this podcast last time, and that's the uh, leading goal scorer of the Olympics, uh, Juraj Slavkovsky. Does he should he be competing for number one overall? I don't think so. Uh, I've actually I've grown a lot on Slavkovsky throughout the year. I was kind of low, lower to start. Um, but I mean, he's like a—I don't know. I feel—I feel like he's like a top seven, top six guy. Um, I don't know. I think that a lot of people are really overvaluing these Olympics because, as we know, the quality of the teams that are there—they—you know, no NHL players, obviously. So it's—it's it's really, it really is just like um, you know, everyone that's playing in Europe or you know, some AHL guys are there. I I feel like people are really overvaluing the competition that he's playing in. Not to say that he's you know not doing a great job right now, but um, you know th- there's there's a lot of a lot of stock being put into it and a lot of recency bias. And for a player who has you know inconsistencies uh, like reading the game, I uh, saw it at the World Juniors a lot. Um, and he was he he struggled a lot there. Just his hockey mind is not at the level that needs to be to be really pushing for that number one spot or really even like a top three spot for me personally. I just have quite a few other names that I'd rather take there, rather take the risk on than him. But I mean, again, he's performing very well. You know, saying that like you you can you can say that's not worth a lot, but still you can take away that what he's doing right now is pretty incredible. Even if it is not the strongest of Olympic competitions, um, especially for a yeah, player so young, he's also shooting at thirty-three percent. So uh, that is sustainable. Yes, that is very sustainable. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, but I'm going like... a little bit more serious. Like I, I like Uri as well as Urasevkovsky. I think he's he's very interesting with his frame and his his ability to absolutely just like move uh, players away from the park and no one can stop him sometimes even in a men's league like Liga um, it's quite impressive and he's skilled all that he's a pretty good skater as well uh, not just for his size but just just a good skater um, but if we're going or Jordan do you have anything to say about Jerry Slokowski before we go into a little bit more serious conversation about the other that might challenge Shane Wright for the first overall I was just going to say, I I like him. I just think he would be a perfect player for like a fringe playoff team to pick. Um, They already, let's say you have already like a couple good centermen and you're looking for a piece to kind of play on the wings in your middle or top six. I think he'd be a good piece to add for like, if you're like a middle of the standings team, maybe like, I don't like LA Kings who's drafted a bunch of centermen and need a couple strong pieces on the winger. I think he'd be very interesting there. But at the top of the draft, I just don't know if he has the upside to be more than kind of like a middle six power forward D kind of winger. So yeah, no, I don't think he's in conversation first overall for me. Those who are, or we pretty, pretty firmly said that chain Wright is first overall, but if we were, were to look for any challengers, there's a, uh, there's a few guys that we like or sort of like, uh, let's start with, uh, uh, Brad Lambert, who's a Finnish centerman. Uh, who switched teams in the middle of the season? Or is that the number one contender? If we were to try to force ourselves to find contenders for first overall. So again, yeah. as Dylan as Dylan mentioned a little while ago, uh, we recorded this like ten days ago or so and lost it, and that was when Brad Lambert was just starting his tenure with Pelicans, and I said, well, maybe if. He goes over there and starts getting the 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 puck luck, and the results keep going his way. Maybe he challenges Shane Wright to uh, to push for number one. But uh, the, some of the games we've seen of him so far, he's just his line mates aren't really much helping helping him at all. And I'm not sure his environment's going to be much better. So um, I was optimistic that if he scored a bunch and the points were kind of coming, that he could challenge for one. But I don't know if we'll see it. So. Um, 
I want to be optimistic on him, but I'm not certain. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's 11 games in with Pelicans. He's got one point, <laughs> which... One point for first overall. Yeah, there you go. And 11 <laughs> games for first overall twice. <laughs> how, many, how many points does Shane Wright have in the Liga? Yeah, people, aren't saying, people aren't bringing that up enough. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, Pelicans are just not a good team. And as someone who watches the MHL way too commonly, uh, I kind of, I've, I've grown accustomed to watch the player and think about how bad his teammates are and how much better he would be if he had good teammates. Um, but yeah, it just has not been enough, really. Um, I've only seen, I think, just one game of him since he's joined Pelicans. And it just really has it was it was it was disappointing, and again, you know, there's no help on that team, and he's kind of just got to try to do what he can to do what he does. But it's like the game he plays is very it, it doesn't revolve around like having like really good players with him, but it would certainly help him to have outlets and you know give him that space, give him extra time. But yeah, just. I don't know if he's. I don't. I don't. I don't think he's really pushing for number one. I don't think the production is good enough. People like to overvalue or undervalue production. Um, I think you you can't ignore that it it just hasn't gone his way this year, and maybe he bounces back. You know, he 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 can score in the league. Like last year, he put up 15 points in 46 games as a you know draft year minus one player, which is pretty pretty stand out in you know. A pretty tough league, but it it's not happening this year. Uh, yeah, no, I'm I agree. Just most of the land that there's uh, the lack of production is something that you need to be uh, at least aware about and factor in a little bit. We don't always look to production when we scout players, but it's got a, it's, it's some sort of value to it at least um, always. So the production isn't there. Uh, he has some. Uh, some issues uh, creating chances uh, or not creating chances but like just in the offensive zone and that's something that I know you Jordan has noticed as well with his uh, play in the offensive zone without the puck mostly. Yeah there was a few times where I kind of wished he was rotating into different spots and he was kind of standing still a bit so I could see where his issues of creating chances for himself off puck wise um I really like him carrying the puck to the neutral zone, entering the zone, but there were some kind of issues of, okay, you're in the zone, your opponent has the puck, where should you be? Are you getting there? Are you anticipating the play? And it seemed like he was more reacting to the play rather than, okay, the puck's coming around the net, I need to get here, I'm going to be in a good scoring chance opportunity. Um, But, so, I don't want to staple him as being bad off the puck in the offensive zone, I just think that's something you can work with him in the video room of, okay, you should be rotating to this space and hopefully he can kind of get open more um, in the offensive zone and create more chances for himself. And I bet people probably think we're crazy talking about uh, Lambert right now when for the long time, his teammate is uh, was ranked ahead of, ahead of him by most, right? Like we're, we're pretty firm on Brad Lambert over Kamel, but it seems like the consensus flips the other way. Yeah, Kamel has been ranked highly higher than him on most lists, I think, since uh, at least uh, October. And he had an insane start to the year, shooting very high percentage. We always come back to the shooting percentage, because Brad Lambert, not scoring enough, he has a really low shooting percentage. And uh, he has like a, between 3 to 5% something, something like that in Liga this season, which is incredibly low. But yeah, Joachim Kamel has a, had a real... Um, Peter to start a season, and he was moved up above Brad Lambert, who had been the higher-ranked talent since uh, they were since they were younger. And uh, now Kamel has cooled down. He's had some injury issues. Uh, I definitely have Brad Lambert ahead of Kamel because I prefer a guy that can drive play rather than a guy that's uh, just a finisher or just a, the. Yeah, just uh, waiting for passes and trying to locate places to shoot instead of a guy that actually sets them up. Uh, so I think I have Brad Lambert ahead of Kamel, but I don't know. I think you guys agree with me. 
but please tell me why. Yeah, I, I think I'm, I'm, I, I'm souring more on Lambert, but I'm not at the point where I'd move Kamala ahead of him. And it's kind of like you said, where it's kind of a tale of two different stories. It's Kamala's this off the puck player. He is finding the soft spots. He's you know getting open. He's taking pucks in stride, and that's how he, you know, that's how he drives his offense. Whereas Lambert's that more individualistic, more pure skill, the quick, you know, the quick feet, just always playing this high tempo game. And, you know, both are going to be effective at the NHL level, I believe. I think uh, a player like Lambert is someone you have to like work with more, keep your eye on him, make sure that he's, you know, progressing in the right direction. Whereas Kamel, you just kind of take what he has and kind of work off that. Um, because like we've seen with Lambert that his skill worked a lot when he was playing in like the U twenty U eighteens, and he could you know take players on, beat them with pace, beat them with his hands, and then he goes into the Liga and you know he's facing the challenge of actually having to beat you know men, um, you know one on one, and sometimes that's not working so well for him, but you know you have that he has the mindset that he can beat everyone. And Kamel's sort of just the mindset of, I'm going to do everything away from the puck, and you're going to get it to me, and then I'm going to score, because I just score all the time. And so it's kind of just, what do you want there? And I feel like Lambert, for me, is the one that I take every time. Yeah, I mean, I don't have too much different to add to that. Um, I just think I value the play-driving centerman over the shooting or finishing talent winger who finds space in the offensive zone and can finish the play. Um, I just think, especially if you're at the team at the bottom of the table, you would benefit more from betting on Lambert hitting his ceiling. Whereas it seems similar with Kamel and Slavkowski where like, if you're, I know they're not going to go at 15th overall, but if you're a team that just missed the playoffs, these guys would be great guys to add um, to, to support the players you already have. But if you're, kind of barren and you need kind of a, a higher ceiling kind of guy i think someone like lambert um, has has that higher ceiling to hit his potential and be a top end centerman but is it likely probably not but i just think if you're a rebuilding team that's a bet you make um, i like kamel i think the thing that sticks out with me is that i think he's a european player whose game will translate pretty well to smaller ice i, I like him on the four check he's pretty relentless um, applies pressure in the offensive zone which will work good on um smaller ice surfaces so i'm i'm excited to see how he plays moving forward but um i, I think i just bet on lambert because he is that potential to be a top end center and those are very hard to get so you make that swing and hope for the best yeah so with, with the potentials of them i feel like kamal you know you're getting an nhl player and you know what what will he be he's not gonna be a first liner i don't think that you know that's like in the question for me but, you know, you get that middle six guy, probably plays on the power play because he has that shot. Um, but, you know, you, you he doesn't quite make it there. You could still play him on the fourth line. And, you know, maybe he's still on the power play, your second unit. Again, just take advantage of that shot that, you know, the smarts that he has. And then with Lambert, you can kind of shoot for that first liner. And if that fails, you know, he can still be, you know, anywhere, anywhere in your lineup just because of how quick he is, how much he does, you know, not just like on the puck, but away from it. Just the pure speed. That's enough, you know, to just be an effective four checker. Typically, he has to work on that. Um, he has his moments where he's not exactly the most active or making the right decisions off the puck. But having the speed alone is typically a good enough first step that you know you can start making plays defensively. You can start four checking a bit harder, and then you know everything works out and he's maybe he's a first line center and he's got the skill. He's got the speed. He's got so much talent. And I don't know how you, uh, I wouldn't turn that down over someone who's more of like the safe lower upside option. Uh, is there any, any other players that you want to mention or let's do it like this. Who do you have as second overall? I have David Yurichek there right now. I'm not super confident. Interesting. That. Yeah, I'm not super confident in that, but I've I mean, I've been impressed with what I've seen of him, just the offensive upside there. But I mean, if we're talking, if we're still talking about contending for first overall. I have Shane Wright in his own tier once again. So, 
And you check it as the check, check defenseman, the big defenseman. He has a very high yeah. upside. Right. Currently injured. Yeah, currently injured. Probably will miss the rest of the season, it seemed like, when I last I, read something about it. I think playoffs are still in the question for him. But I'm not totally okay. sure. Okay. Uh, Jordan, who do you have as second overall? Uh, I mean, we've already kind of talked about it. Brad Lambert, I think, for me, is number two. Um, I could be convinced on Cooley as well if Lambert has maybe one point in the next 20 games or however many games are left in the Liga. I think the gap between Cooley and Lambert is pretty small, but I don't think either is really challenging, number one. Just, I don't know, we talked about a lot, right? Um, I think you're you're getting a very valuable piece, whether he's first-line center or second-line center, I think. He'll be be a good a good addition to your team, and it's hard to pass up on uh, the security of how valuable that piece is. Yeah, and I have uh, Logan Cooley, as you mentioned. I think I don't know. Like this draft class is just uh, it's it's making me uh, annoyed uh, because I I don't know who to put anywhere because I, I I'm not feeling anyone in the top ten. Basically. When aren't when aren't you annoyed? You're All always right. annoyed. Angry Swedish man. <laughs> Well, if you lived in Sweden, you would also be angry. Yeah, um, it's dark 24 <laughs> hours a day. <laughs> Simply yeah, turn yeah. on the lights. <laughs> we don't have lights here. You oh, didn't know that? Shoot. <laughs> we only have ice bear, I, polar bears. Sorry. <laughs> How are you recording this podcast? Um, we have electricity. We don't have light. That doesn't make things. sense. Come on, join me. You're out of the gutter. Yeah. You just be a little bit more cultured, will you? Uh, but I mentioned comparing uh, this year's draft class to last year's draft class. Uh, what do you think about the general draft class this year uh, versus last year? Because last year was like this uh, talk-down draft class. Everyone was just like, "Oh, it's not good. It's not great." Or it's it's not the it's bad. Even some said. Uh, but looking back at it, the draft class now, and maybe it's because we have the um, we have the D plus one for everyone and just seeing how, how a lot of these players are doing really well in their D plus one. Maybe that affects it a little bit, but what are your, if you, what are your thoughts on this year's draft class versus last year? Yeah. So last year I had Matthew Benier's first overall, which I don't know. I'm already kind of looked back at that and thinking maybe, maybe it's, maybe that wasn't the right choice, but um, I sort of see like some similarities between him and Wright. Um, just kind of how I th- I think about them as players, where it's not really the most flashy player. Like you could have Brad Lambert in the conversation with you know with Wright. You could have William Eklund in the conversation with Matthew Veneers. You can have you know you can kind of flip flop and think about how like the upside versus the safety versus that kind of thing. And it's not the highest upside maybe, and oh, it's 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 frustrating to look at it like that and. I think that's the best way of describing the last two drafts, and that's frustrating. I think a lot of people who have sat down to watch these players have come away disappointed or, you know, like struggling to draw conclusions on their game because they're one game they're looking like looking like top five talents, the next game they're gone. They aren't they aren't even playing pretty much. So, um, but I mean, just looking at the players who went kind of early last year and who's like stood out is like Eklund was, you know, doing things in the NHL, maybe not quite ready for the league yet, but he was showing a lot of promising play. He's making a lot of promising plays. Um, Luke Hughes has been incredible this year. Uh, obviously, um, Kent Johnson has been solid this year. Mason McTavish was in the NHL. Uh, Cole Sillinger, NHL. Uh, Tyler Boucher, Ottawa Senator. Um, so, <laughs> There's <laughs> a lot of good, a lot of not so good. You know, you can look at someone like Fabian LaSalle, who was high on a lot of boards as well. He has been struggling big time now that he's made the move to the CHL. So it's sort of been a, a real mixed bag. And I think that's something that we kind of expected like a year later that some of these players just aren't going to be what we think they're going to be. And I feel like that's going to be kind of the case with this year's draft as well, where, you know, maybe. Maybe Brad Lambert makes the move to the CHL and, you know, his game doesn't translate as much as we thought it could. Or, you know, any of these players that go top 10 
you know, it's kind of, it's all, there's a lot of question marks surrounding them just by how many times we've watched everyone and, you know, how we, how, how well we think we know them. It's, it's all very confusing and frustrating. And there's a lot, of, a lot of guessing going on. I think I prefer, I don't even know. I feel like I had an answer last time I recorded this and I don't, I don't, I don't know anymore. <laughs> I think you had an answer, then you switched it because <laughs> probably <said. laughs> right. That was it. Yeah, you 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 swayed me. Yeah, <laughs> I I I think maybe ask me at the end of the year, but as of right now, this is probably just mid-season sort of question marks. Um, but I I was very firm on like my top like eight last year, where it's like fifth or sixth overall. I have like a short list of like three names that I'd consider, and I was pretty confident in that. Whereas this year it's like fifth or sixth overall, I'm considering like 10, 10 or 15 guys. And that, that's not really a good thing. Um, it's not really speaking to the depth of the draft. It's just like, there's so many guys with question marks that I haven't really figured out yet. And hopefully by the end of the year, we have figured this out. Um, but yeah, like last year, like fifth overall for me, was jo- it was between Johnson, Clark or Edvinson. Uh, power too, but power wasn't going to be there. So Johnson, Clark, Edmondson. I thought I was pretty sure that I wanted one of those guys. Whereas now it's like, okay, do I go with Slavkowski at five? Do I go with Nemec or Yurchek or anyways, the list goes on of guys that I'd be considering. And then the other thing that stood out to me was when I looked up Luke Hughes's September 9th birthday and like Nemec and Yurchek are only a couple months older than him. Like where would Luke Hughes be in this class? And I think there's probably a serious case to be made that he'd be the best challenger for right at number one um, based on how he's been playing this year at Michigan. At the very least, I think he'd be a lock at number two for me because I really loved Luke Hughes last year and he's only gotten better um, with how he's been playing in Michigan this year. Yeah. I just want to say, sorry, really quickly before uh, you go, Mikhail, I just want to say it is very funny that uh, like that we described this draft class is so confusing when last year we had, you know, Every CHL player was on loan to just random European leagues or playing in the USHL and just all over the place and possible to keep track of. And yet this year has still been more confusing. <laughs> yeah, yeah hopefully, we, this draft year. <laughs> hopefully we just figured out by the end of the year and this is just mid-season doubts. But yeah, there's yeah. a lot of question marks currently that we're all having. I think the confusion also comes from us being a bit hype about this draft year and this draft year being this draft class being a little bit hyped up and then coming into the year and no one is basically living up to their expectation so we're we're all just like trying to adjust and adapt and it takes a little while from like going from because when we start the year and start looking at this draft class you start doing it's like oh it's hyped up and then you're looking at them and you're like oh they're pretty eh, they're not that great but you're trying to like look at it positive then you need to adjust and there's a disappointment period and stuff like that, and then you need to adjust. And I think we all come like we're all past that disappointment and all that adjustment period, and now we're going into the last part of the season, all fresh and ready for to actually uh, take in this draft class. And I think the confusion will drop a little bit with that. So that might yeah. be it too. At least for me, that's how I feel about it. Right, cause, like 2022 draft was like two years ago. You know, everyone knew it as Shane Wright, Matthew Savoy, Brad Lambert, you know, Ivan Maroshchenko. And now we're in February and it's like, oh, well, Shane Wright is there still. And, you know, now it's, it's like all the other names take over. And it's, like you said, it's like, like disappointment period where it's, you know, the standards that, you know, that were set aren't being lived up to. And, uh, like with Maroshenchenko, it was like when I was watching him earlier in the year. It's like if you take the name off the jersey, is he is he the, is he a top ten player? No, he's not looking like it. And then last year we just had, um, it was it was like I feel like it was described a lot as the defenseman draft because it was like uh, Power, Hughes, Clark, Edmondson, all kind of up there. Lambos too at the beginning of the year. Yeah, Lambos at the start, yeah. Um, and then slowly the year went on, and I was like, well, maybe maybe the forwards are actually just better, <laughs> which I think has been it's like kind of a common thing. Like, I don't know, t- defenseman in the top five is always a scary thing, I feel. And, you know, we kind of default to the forwards, but, I mean, the forwards were outplaying the defenseman that, 
that year as well. So it's the expectations of like how people are talking about the draft and you know looking at the players when they're 15 years old and then continuing the thoughts and you know ignoring what's actually happening on the ice and remembering oh yeah when they were 15 really good player there and you know we all we all know the names but they're not living up to the, the standard i think uh just looking at my list from last year i think i might be once at all we sort it all out for this year i think I may end up being more excited for a pick at like 15th overall this year than I was last year. Like, I don't know, just looking at, uh, I, I'm only going to say Swedish names here, but like, I would be, <laughs> I think this year I'd be more excited to take any of the Swedish Ugarden players over like Rosian or Olausen, who I had in that like 15 to 20 ish range last year. And then guys like last year, Lucius, uh, Sam Skevich, Stankoven. So I think I just might be more excited about some of the guys that are available, like 15th overall this year, um, or sorry, in the 10 to 20 range on my list this year. Because we all know that at 15th overall, there's a chance that Brad Lambert ends up being there and this is all for nothing. But on uh, on my personal list, I think my 10 to 20 range might end up being a little bit more exciting this year. But we'll see how it all shakes out. Yeah, that's what I think about this draft too, is that there's it's just so filled with players that aren't really like surefire top 10 prospects, but there's a bunch of them like between 10 to 15 that could all go 10 to 15, basically. And it's it's like 10 players that could go in, within those five spots, I feel like. And that's a, that's a little bit more with this draft. It's a little bit like when you, last year you had the like 10 or 11 players that, that were like on everyone's list, basically consensus top 10. And there were some few, a few players that were sneaking in and Ottawa apparently sneaked one in as well in the top ten, which That's, wasn't a top you guys, ten. You guys, gotta let this, you guys gotta let this one go. You're looking for a third person here. <laughs> so Ottawa really fucked up, and Jordan is gonna quit. Um, but yeah, I think uh, what you were saying that the fifteenth overall is probably uh, more uh, better players around than it was last year. Well, on my on my personal on our personal list, like at fifteenth overall, like Fabian Liesel, we would all yell for him, or like, but on your personal list, he wouldn't have been there, right? That's kind of what I was trying to to get at. So, yeah, like we may be more excited for this year in the ten to twenty range, but what actually happens in NHL, we have no idea. Yeah, but also looking at like if you look at just purely Swedish players, like would you take Jonathan Lekrimaki or Fabian Liesel? Sort of two similar players, but with a bit of different tool set, of course, and skills. But like both very quick, fast, fast uh, guys with a lot of skill. But Lekker Mac is more of a goal scorer, while Lucel is more of a playmaker. Like, who would you take there? And it's hard to compare now because yeah. obviously uh, we're looking. We have an extra year on the players last year, obviously, and you can look at someone like Lucel. Or like Jordan brought up, you know, Ulausen, who have both struggled in the CHL already, and there's already concerns that can be drawn about them. So we already have that idea that you know, well, this this isn't working in their game. We didn't know about the last year, but now we do. And meanwhile, it's you know, you can look at the Kerry Maki, you can look at like Ogren Ostlin, all of them, and you know, you still you're still in that phase that we were last year with LaSalle and Alaska. Oh yeah, they're really good in Sweden and they're kind of players that we want in that 10 to 20 range. Now you look at them this year and you can't really say that as, you know, confidently. So just comparing it. That's why I don't, I don't, I'm not huge on like when people do like uh, doing a redraft of 2021 a year later. <laughs> like, Give it, give it a little bit more time, but you can, you can start to say things and notice, you know, anything whether it's positive or negative. But just having that extra year of knowing that, you know, Tyler Boucher is on point, on pace for uh, zero points in twenty four OHL games is, you know, you have that information now. He's played like half an OHL game. I will defend Tyler Boucher here. Oh, want to talk here. about it. Want to talk about three points in seventeen NCAA games. No rebuttal. Meanwhile, no, remember who, you, hey, remember who went after him too? No, I didn't. The draft ended. Oh, oh weird. Because he he's actually in the NHL. 
Ignore. <laughs> Scoring like 14 points right now. Or what what yeah. does he have? More than Tyler Boucher. <laughs> More than Tyler Boucher would ever have in the NHL. Maybe. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> Can't teach size. But I, I know I know it ended for Jordan after the Tyler Boucher pick because he just got blackout drunk after it because he was so sad. No uh, <laughs> comment. So this list was a little bit fresher the last time we recorded, but let's do it. Uh, let's uh, talk about it anyway. Bob McKenzie put out the list. The what you call the sheet sheet for the uh, initial draft, basically just telling us where everyone will go. Uh, at least most of the time, and what the NHL teams think right now. And we were looking at it and trying to, like, find some steals. So who's a day two steal for you guys uh, on Bob's draft, like in the second round or later? Uh, well, Club Trickazov is at 64th overall on the list, which is <laughs> worrying to me because he's, uh, I think, 8th, 7th, 8th on my list, which is sizable. Um, but I mean, he's been super standout this year. I keep watching him and I keep liking him more. And the fact that he's still so low on lists, like even, even public lists, he's, you know, still hanging out end of the first round or not even in the first round. And it almost makes me feel like I'm watching the wrong player. So I have to go back and watch him again. And then, oh, he's still as good as he was last time. He's gotten like a, he plays in a way that is like almost not believable to watch. He he just throws passes across the ice, scans you know so quick that you don't even notice he did it, and he'll just fling a pass right on right onto the stick. His shot is strange. How well it works! It's it's the puck is off his stick immediately, and it's so much power, so much accuracy. He was, I saw him as like as more of a pure playmaker at the start of the year. And he's slowly gotten more confident to use that shot. And it's nuts how good it is. Um, I I just keep getting... I keep on putting him higher and higher. And I know that I'm, I'm getting crazy already with him in the eighth. But um, yeah, for him to be 64, for him to be a guy that's not going to go in the first round at all, that's a huge value pick right there. Uh, for me, I think uh, I'll leave some of the obvious choices. I know there's some Ugarden players that uh, Mikael, with his blinders, will say are very good, so I'll leave those um, for him to talk about. So for me, I think the one that stuck out was David Goyette in the honorable mentions. I have him in the 30 to 40-ish range, and if he's a third-round or later guy, I think you're getting a steal there. I just really like how he approaches hockey. He's insanely like possession oriented he circles back a ton never dumps it in which is just incredibly refreshing to see in the chl where they focus on the more dump and chase style that uh i'm not a super big fan on so seeing guy play more possession style um is is always nice to see in my eyes uh he's super shifty he is i love his hands um i just the, the main thing for him i think he's a really smart player he makes a lot of simple little passes, um, escapes pressure pretty well, and just maintains possession for his team. He's on the smaller side and can kind of get knocked off the puck and not super, super explosive either, but I think he can work on those things off ice. And I think if those two areas improve and he um, is able to get better in those areas, I think he can be quite the player. And yeah, if you're getting him in, in the third round or later, then yeah, that's, that's a great uh, day two selection. Yeah, he was highly ranked on uh, Scott Wheeler's rankings that came out uh, recently as well. So he likes him too, which is yeah, nice he, to see that you have some backup. He's scored a bunch in the past like couple weeks, so I suspect he won't be that low on Bob's next list because I bet when he re- I don't think he released it end of January, the feedback he got from scouts was probably from November, December. So he's I think he scored like almost 10 goals in the last like three weeks or so so i i think he's gonna jump up less after that so he may not end up being a day two steal he also scored like four goals in the first nationally broadcast uh, junior hockey game of the season on tsn right against 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 shane wright so maybe we should be talking about david goyette first overall that's how this works right yeah he scored more goals than shane wright in that game so um so yeah, you mentioned the Jugorden guys. Um, there's two guys that are ranked too low for me. 
that I would uh, like again. It's Khalil Delius, the a defenseman, very skilled, great skater, four-way skater, moves really well in all directions. Um, I just think he is a fantastic defenseman. Uh, he's not. He's pretty good defensively. He does some weird stuff, and he has his form has been a little bit more down recently. Um, but he scored a goal today as we're recording, and uh, I think. Uh, not that it matters, but I think he's getting back to form, and hopefully he can uh, produce and develop a little bit more uh, during the rest of the season. Um, I'll just go with the other one as well while I'm at it, and it's Noah Östlund, who I think is a fantastic talent who has started the year brilliantly. Uh, he's been almost dominant. Um, everyone's talking about Liam Ögren because he's scoring an insane amount of points. I think he has like... 32 points in his last 12 games or something in, in the J20 league in Sweden. But um, I just like Noah Asland a lot. He's a great center, very smart, um, sits back. Defensively, he can, he's incredible because he can sit back and just read play and strip guys off the puck in the, in the neutral zone very easily. Or he can put it on the forecheck and just like shade, shade the puck and stress the guys who mistake. And, and with the puck, he's just loose, very, very smart. Uh, sets up his teammates in, in uh, with passes constantly. Um, it's, uh, it's he's a great player. I'm just gonna throw in a third one because he's not even on the list, and he's probably gonna be available in the seventh round. But it's Joel Johnson, who um, who I've seen a lot recently, even in person, and he is a fantastic talent. Who scored? Uh, he played his second game in in pros. This. Uh, they were recording, and he played uh, plays for Mora in uh, Hockey Svenskan, and he the Swedish, second tier of Swedish hockey, and he scored two points today, so he's getting going there as well. Yeah, sticking with players who didn't exactly make the list, uh, Vladimir Grudinin, also an honorable mention, uh, which is very very undeserving. He should be definitely way higher. I have him in the first round. Uh, especially since he's behind players like who are on the same team as him, like Archim Duda and Kirill Dolchenkov, who not quite as exciting, or some not exciting at all, really. But I mean, he's been playing in all three Russian leagues, so MHL, VHL, KHL, and his game has translated so well to all three. Like he, he's only played six KHL games. He got he's more points than Daniil Yurov, which. Needs to be brought up, obviously. Um, but he's his feet are incredible when defending or attacking. You know, he's he's a four check killer. He'll take you on one on one, and he'll just jump past you because he's so quick. He's so agile. Um, the worrying thing is that he is small, so he does have to add size. Which you know how that affects his agility, how that affects you know how his lateral movement, how quick he can beat those four checkers is you know still in the question, but. Uh, just what he's doing right now, he's playing really well in the KHL for a player of his age. He is playing really well in the VHL, obviously very well in the MHL. Uh, you know, was Russia's best defenseman at the World Juniors. He was playing on the Russian national team and holding his own there. Some, you know, some issues are being found, and that's what's going to happen when you play against men, and especially as a smaller defenseman. You know, you have to, you can't really, he can't really handle physicality too well. He's definitely improved since the start of the year. He's sturdier on his feet, but he still gets knocked down pretty easily. So he plays more tactical, uh, technical, defensive style. But I mean, there to be an honorable mention behind those players I did list. You know, is, is crazy, and maybe he's a guy that you, is going to go in like the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round. Which whoever gets him is going to be very excited. I have to say. Yeah, there normally isn't a ton of value to be had in the OHL or the, in in the second or third round. Kind of, it, it, they tend to overdraft um, the OHL in uh, the first second rounds. So there's not a ton of guys that I'm seeing that are really lower than they should be on Bob's list. They're all either too high or perfectly fine, but there's never really a fourth or fifth round OHL that kind of slips. It happens, but it's rare. So. I'm going to go, for, go to the WHL for my next one, where shout-outs to our, our somewhat good friend. We tolerate him, Joel Henderson. Uh, you put us on Jagger Furcus, who 
I've only watched him a couple times, but he's just one of those wingers that every time he touches the puck, you just your eyes are on in on him of what he's going to do, and he always makes things happen. And just I think he's a player that um, he's obviously scoring a ton now, but when you have a player with his offensive skill and uh, driving the results and always fun to watch with the puck on his stick, I think that's a player that if he's a third round or later guy again, I think you're running to the podium and and swinging. Uh, swinging and screaming his name. So um, I want to watch more of him. I don't have a huge, huge sample size of watching him, but when I have watched him, it's just, okay, he has the puck. What's he going to do? And it's just, you're just drawn to him because he has that much skill to, to make plays happen. I feel like yeah, there's definitely, a there's a lot of names that we can just look at and kind of see that there's a lot of variance between what we think and what, you know, the scouts are thinking, like whether it be a player like Yuri Kulich, who's at 40, and for me personally, he's, you know, in the teens. Uh, you know, players like Seamus Casey. Um, I like Devin Kaplan a lot as well. So you can just kind of look at those players. And there's a lot of gaps <laughs> between what we think and what the scouts think, which, again, is, wor- is a little bit worrying. They're all in this kind of, they're in this range together. But that range that they're in together is 40 spots lower than the range that we have them in. <laughs> We're right, don't worry. Right. No, Shane is right. <laughs> but yeah, so we're going to finish off this podcast with uh, just a segment that is going to be reoccurring where we talk a little bit about players in a region that we watched recently and that we like or have liked a little bit or somewhat. Uh, I only already mentioned Joel Johnson, who I got to uh, honor to watch live recently and uh, in person. It was uh, fun. He's a fun kid. Um, I didn't really mention his skills, but he's he's a very skilled player. He uh, he can dribble off the the his opponents very easily. He's got pretty good speed. He sees the game really well. Sets his teammates up for chances constantly. Um, but yeah, the other guy I want to talk about who also played in the game I saw Joel Johnson played in, um, who is sort of interesting to me is uh, Hugo Frilian, who is. Uh, He's kind of old. He's uh, October birthday in 2003, so I'm not sure how much I should put on into his performances, but he, I liked him where I watched him. He's a big guy, skates really well, drives the net a lot, uh, pretty skilled. Um, yeah, and he's, he's good at like fishing up pucks in front of the net, so I kind of like him. It could be a seventh-round guy or something like that that I, I, I'd take a chance on. So I like him. Uh, Quite a bit. Like I mentioned, I've I watched Gleb pretty recently, and yeah, I, I kind of got all my thoughts out there, and he's continued to impress. Um, I've also quite liked. I I've struggled with him, but Alexander Parvalov. He seems to be kind of all over the place in rankings. Some, you know, he finds his way into the first round on a lot of lists. Early second, you know, he's first round on uh, on Mackenzie's list. And there's worries to his game. He's a very skill-oriented player, but the skill only is showing up half the time. And, you know, he's mishandling the puck. He's not thinking, you know, he's thinking a very MHL style of game where it's more, what can I do here to do a spin move? Like, how can I, how can I look as fancy as possible and do everything by myself when he's playing on, like, arguably the best team in the league and playing you know, top six minutes when he was struggling to sort of break into that role last year because local aren't super high in playing the young players in bigger roles. So he's kind of got to do whatever he can to stay up in there, that role. Um, but yeah, it's been a lot of trial and error with him. His production has kind of slowed down a lot uh, since the start of the year. Like halfway point of the year, he was, I think, still top of the league in scoring, scoring at an incredible rate which is something we kind of saw with Alexander Kisikov last year. And and with how much Jordan loved him and all, uh, it, it hasn't been a great year for him. So looking at production alone, especially in the league like MHL, is, will lead to mixed results. And I still think he's like a maybe a middle, middle of the second round guy. I still like him a lot. It's just kind of working out those kinks with him. Are we concerned that we brought on Jordan to this pod when he liked Kisikov so much? Sounds was, like it. I was concerned bringing him on in general. 
I will still only, even if Kisikov makes the NHL or doesn't make the NHL, whatever happens with him, I will still never watch him again. And just my entire opinion of Kisikov will based on that one game that I watched of him and thought he was a superstar, then was told, okay, no, watch more games. He's actually not that good. And I just refused to watch more games. And forever in my mind, Kisikov is just that insane player that I saw his best game ever. And the rest of his career doesn't matter to me because in my mind, he's a future Hall of Famer. See, I'm but worried now. You should anyway. be. You should be. But uh, for the player I've watched this week, I think uh, I watched quite a few, um, kind of did a once-over of my second to third-ish round range and uh, made some minor adjustments to my list. But the player who really impressed me the most was Matches Sapovalov. I still don't quite see him in that late first range that he was on McKenzie's list and other lists, but um, I think at the end of the second, kind of mid-third, I think he's a, a pretty good name to consider. I like that he's kind of a good combination of uh, skill and size. He makes plays happen. Again, another player that prioritizes possession uh, is, is quite a smart player, I found. He um, is defensively responsible and is kind of always the one picking up for the cowboy Pavel Minchikov, who is going going way in deep, and uh, Sabovalov is the one to kind of pick up and be aware and um, pick up the defensive slack sometimes. But if if he can kind of use his thighs to his advantage more and pick up a little bit more speed, I think he could be an interesting player. But again, I don't really see that first round player in him. But he just had a really good game the last time I watched him and was quite impressed. Yeah. He looks pretty good. Um, do we have anyone else that we want to mention before we get off? I mean, I've watched. I, I'm. I've been a famous Casey fan, kind of all year, and now I'm kind of not so sure about him. I like get last last few games I've seen of not really stood out, and for a player who I've had, you know, in my top five at certain points this year, I am. Not super impressed with what he's done recently, um, but you know, sticking with uh, that team, Cutter Gauthier has been super impressive. I watched a couple of his games recently, kind of kind of binge watched, and he's just a ton of fun. So I've been uh, he's moved up my list while uh, Casey's kind of slowly made us tumble down. Yeah, similar tune here with me and Ty Nelson, as Dylan kind of mentioned with uh, Casey. I just, I wanted to see more uh, creating offense from him. I found he was dumping the puck in too much, taking shots from low danger areas and wasn't really looking for high danger passes or cut into the middle himself like he I, he was at the beginning of the year. So he's one that uh, my past couple of viewings of him have been slightly disappointing. I'm not dropping him a ton, but... Um, I, I originally had him around like 15 or so, and now I, I see him trending more towards like 25 or the back half of that first round. So keep an eye on him to see how he keeps going. But um, my last couple of viewings of him have been slightly disappointing. All right. Um, I know Jordan has to leave soon, so we should try to wrap Thanks up. Thanks a lot, Jordan. <laughs> it, is my, it is my mother's birthday. I apologize. Oh, it's my mother's birthday. Um... I'll be seeing her later tonight. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> but yeah this was the first episode of this uh, <laughs> podcast <laughs> and the last and last one is leaving us forever just, we are looking for uh for a third if anyone wants to join you have to be canadian a fan of the senators saying your name has to be jordan yeah uh <laughs> But yeah, uh, is there anything we need to plug? No, we don't do anything. Uh, so uh, uh, just you can find us on Twitter, slip down at slip slip down pod. Um, otherwise, we're gonna see you again and sometime next week, hopefully. Well, um, our lineup NFTs will be out soon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, NFTs, all these kinds of crypto, very right. very many different cryptos. I don't know how it lots works, of money laundering. I mean, no, not that. Uh, <laughs> Funny uh, washing. Funny. Yeah, we're watching the line. Hey, let's yeah. get out of here. <laughs> let's get out of here. Yeah, this is, <laughs> this is not good. Yeah, follow us on Slip Down Pod. You can, uh, if you go along to Slip Down Pod, you can f- see our own 
Twitter accounts as well. I'm not going to spell it out right now. So, yeah, that was it. Uh, see you guys next week.